0: Just be real, show up. And the reality is nobody really knows what they really want out of work. Do you want to be the absolute best candidate for a job you'll love in a career with balance? Veteran leadership career catalyst Jonathan Flax is teaming up with leading executive search professionals to provide you with cutting edge career transition strategies. Welcome to Career Transition Experts. And now here's your host, Jonathan Flax.
1: All right. We are very lucky today to have Ben Martinez, someone with over 20 years experience in in in-house recruiting and executive search recruiting. He's the owner and principal recruiter at Ramp Talent for over five years. And uh, uh, you can see his uh, website at ramptalent.com. And Ben and his company work with growth stage companies on tech roles, sales roles, and key executive hires. Um, He's worked personally with uh, executive teams at uh, venture capital-backed companies and now partners with VC firms and their portfolio companies to hire top talent. Ben, welcome to the program. How are you today? Great, Jonathan. How are you doing? Doing very well, thanks. So just so uh listeners can know what uh, they're going to be in store for, what's the main thing they're going to get and walk away with if they listen to this episode?
0: I think listeners should be able to, if I've done a good job here, uh, uh, narrowing down their search strategy and what they want next in a career or job um, and just ultimately not taking a job for money. Uh, money doesn't buy happiness uh, when you get to a certain point in your life. Um, so taking a job with purpose.
1: Okay, very good. We find yeah. that when people are clear on their purpose and more motivated to do better work and they do end up making more money.
0: Absolutely, yep. That's
1: yeah. Uh, more or less,
0: yeah. The, the, I think the secret recipe is... Yeah. Um, Find something you love to do and do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really sounds like what you're saying is uh, that put purpose and and happiness first. You know, and we're talking about really career direction. So some people come to me they know exactly know what they want to do next, and and some aren't quite sure. So say a little more about what brings you to this topic, and what's your experience seeing how people respond to this kind of conversation.
0: Yeah, no, I think what this topic, you know, like you mentioned, I run a recruiting firm, so it's near and dear to my heart. We talk to You know, myself and I've got a team of five other recruiters. We're we're talking to hundreds to over the year, a thousand candidates, right? Thousands of candidates, um, whatever that math equals out to. But all the time we're being asked, you know, uh, or actually helping candidates um, along their journey, what they want to do next out of a company. There's many times we're helping a candidate decide between multiple offers. Right. And I think we're unique in that we will more or less shoot a candidate straight and sometimes it's an even not even to our best interest right I do the last thing I want to do is place a candidate with a client that they're not totally sold in the company they're doing it for the money and we many times try to align what their purpose is and what they really want out of work um, with a client what they're doing and sometimes we'll pass on candidates that way and I think a lot of times I get involved the older I get in talking with Parents, or maybe just young kids who are, let's say, in high school or college, and they they think they have to have everything figured out and a plan on what they want to do. And reality is, nobody really knows. I I know I didn't know I did not know what I wanted to do in my late teens, early twenties, and I don't think anyone should put that undue pressure on themselves. And so, I think I find myself a lot of times helping. Younger people, maybe just because I'm getting older, but helping younger people and really finding out what they want to do, and sometimes that involves talking to their parents too because they'll ask. Yeah.
1: So yeah. yeah, we find that too at the executive level. Some people will say, "Can you talk to my son or daughter? She's just graduating from college and doesn't know where to fit in this big wide world." And my own personal backstory: I had 11 jobs in 12 years after graduating from Cornell University, I in and out of the music business, and it took me that long to realize I'm an employer is more than an employee. I was always able to get hired within one to three months. So my mother said, you know, you're so good at getting hired. You make a career helping other people get hired. So here, here we are. Uh, when a candidate isn't clear on what their purpose is, right, and and yet you see something in their background that might be a fit for one of your VC uh, uh, firms or one of their portfolio companies, how do you go about helping them clarify that? Well, another way to ask that is what should people be How do people sort that out?
0: Yeah, I think uh, one way that we go about it is we get real clear on what their history is with their career, all the way from when they were young. And what Mm. their interests are, like, let's say, as an example, it's a software, it's a, a CTO role, chief technology officer, even a software developer role, or maybe they think they want to be a CTO. And we'll, we'll go all the way back to the beginning. How did they get into development? How did they get into tech? How did they get into IT? Um, was it specific projects? What, what was it really? And try to take a look at their history and then really try to understand what they really want, like what, what really fulfilled them in their history. When were they the most happiest in their past jobs? That, that's always a key indicator. And, and what was it about that job that made them happy did it align with their purpose? And many times I chose the software developer example on purpose because I find many times those jobs specifically and sometimes even high-performing sales reps, they actually do not like managing people. You'll find it out. And they're incredibly smart and driven and innovative. But they're, when it comes to leading the team and managing people, they realize that is a, is a completely different skill set that they may not even like. And so it might come with, you know, a, a nice job title or even better pay at times. It may not be what they want to do and they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And uh, many times it's the opposite too. I've found candidates who are in managerial roles, more so in like tech type roles, development roles who want out of it because they're tired of managing a the team. They want to, they want to actually get their hands on the product to develop software and test it and roll things out. So I'm not sure where I was going with all that, but I think the point yeah. is, is yeah, that, that's a lot of what we get involved in doing.
1: Oh, yeah, I follow. The sense of purpose yeah. may or may not include leadership and managing people. And the world of uh, business, especially in the US, but really globally, really kind of puts a um, cultural uh, bias towards growth via leadership, growth via managing other people. And that makes perfect sense in business because the more people... To a point that you manage, the more scope and impact your responsibility and your work is. But That being said, someone can make a healthy salary and a happy life as an individual contributor if that's really what they want to do. That's the right. point I got from what you're saying, and we support that. Yeah. Um, what about people who, um, who don't think they're good at managing people and don't think they like it, but actually they are? Or vice versa, they think they're really good at managing and leading people, but but they're well. You already said that if they're not into it, and they don't like it. But what about those people who maybe just don't have a good sense of themselves and and would be good leaders and managers if they develop a couple of shifts in their attitude and behavior transformation? Well, I, I mean, it, that's in the
0: beginning. I think that is when you're first entertaining and getting to know candidates that can be difficult to assess. I think. The more you get to know a candidate, the more you understand what they want out of work and life, right? Obviously, just the more time you spend with somebody, you know, I think that comes out. But I think that uh, candidates that maybe if we see something that they don't see, we're quick to let them know. Like if we see some skill potential, I, I've let candidates know that a lot, right? And um, likewise, you have to call for lack of a better phrase, you got to call BS. Sometimes you don't see it on their profile and they want a specific job. But I mean, there are many times, there are times when we have asked candidates or told candidates that they have, um, maybe they've got a skill set that they may not see, um, in their background. It could be leading teams, leading people uh, will point out quickly to point out when they've done that. Right. And maybe yeah. they're good at it. And they just think that they just never got the title in the past. Right. So they can't do it. But, um, you know titles don't mean a lot really, when it comes down to your ability to do the job it, it it's it's you know it's actually your ability to do the job that, that I think people remember and they they uh, get attracted to so
1: yeah yeah, okay, cool. since we're on the subject of purpose and career direction, to what extent do you administer assessments or recommend assessments or see results of assessments like myers briggs or or a strong preference indicator, any
0: of those? uh, So we, yeah, I have been involved in those extensively in my past. My With my own company, our search firm, we do not administer assessments. It's something that we will do if we have a client that is specifically asking to do it. Um, We will do it. I think that there are um, good use cases for it, and I think there also can be bad use cases for it. I think the dangerous thing is, Maybe we we'll use the example of it's like a, it's a tool that I think you need a license to drive it. I think some people I've had hire managers come to me and want, let's say it's a Myers briggs test because they went to a Myers briggs seminar five years ago and they were moved by it, right? And they think they're all, all of a sudden um, you know, psychologists. And I think that they can be pretty dangerous sometimes, right? But I think the way I look at it is it's just getting closer to the truth of who someone is and really understand their attitude and, and what the, and how they are. It's not, you know, I, 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 typically use them as just a way to understand, uh, someone, right. And be very clear on why uh, someone would want to use that. So, but I don't, we don't personally use, um, assessments or anything like that, but I think they can be good, right. These could be super, hmm. I think mindful and smart on why you're using them hmm. would be right. Yeah. 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 I, I
1: would underscore that to remind, uh, People that they are very useful tools, but um, some some hiring managers might have an assessment with a singular profile to fit the job, and multiple profiles could fit the job. But users, uh, people in career transitions, especially when looking to help figure out a sense of purpose, can use them as clues, insights, reflections on some of the things you'll help them discover and some of the things they might be thinking about. Good. What would you say are some surprisingly effective things you've seen people do in terms of interacting with hiring managers and recruiters?
0: Candidly, it's not anything difficult,
1: but it does
0: matter. And it's just be human, right? Like, I think that a lot of times, and I'm trying to be mindful of of it on this podcast, I think in, in work, we become like these different people at work. And we start to use corporate jargon and shiny, fluffy talk. Just be real. Talk numbers, words. Um, you have a life. I have a life right outside of this. I'll mm. go through something, right? And I think that I've found that or candidates that are successful, many times they get that hire managers and recruiters are people, and they'll connect with them uh, personally in an interview. Um, mm. They'll go off LinkedIn, right, and they'll connect with them. But they'll just try to get establish a relationship and just be real. And I think that that's the... Anytime time I look back and top candidates, when I know we've got the one, many times it's because you're at a personal level. Of this person, and you know that they've got this, the the skills, right? You've got past that part, but you've connected with them now personally. And I think the ones that connect with hiring managers and hiring team and recruiters, I think that would that be my nugget nugget of advice.
1: Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. walking the talk. I find you very refreshingly uh, human and. You speak in plain English sometimes people wonder well what does that mean be real be human how do I be myself it's like what is that even, like some people wonder what does that even mean well, one of the cr- crystal clear clues you've just given is just beware of robotic corporate jargon just talk plain English and yeah. uh and you know be be, be like you would be with a friend uh, you know, talking about making plans for the weekend but obviously yeah. talking about work matters and stories and and things like that does that uh, line with what you're suggesting? No, the top, right on. Classic. Um, yep. On a related question, uh, what's the most surprisingly stupid thing you've seen intelligent people do?
0: <laughs> that Okay, let, let me think about that for just about stupid thing, stupid, you know, that I've seen intelligent people do. Um, I think one of them is... And this just happened today and it surprises me how this happens. And I'm going to pick on, well, I'll, I'll pick on hiring managers and candidates. Okay. With, you know, if you're a candidate and I learned this advice 20 plus years ago, when you're looking for a job uh, or if you're in the process or whatever it is, make yourself available as a candidate. I've had candidates that are, you know, give me, there are very few windows that they they're available to take a call, and it makes it very hard. And it's it's almost um like it comes across like they don't want the job, right? And I think it's stupid because let's just get real. Do you are we going to do this or not? And a lot of times I I'll be frank with the can in the beginning, and I'll say, look, this is going to take some time. Here's a process. There's going to be four interviews, and I'm going to need some time. And if you want this job. Or if you're interested in it, I think that we should work together and find it. But if uh, judging by your lack of responsiveness or uh, lack of availability, this tells me that potentially you may not be interested in this job. Am I correct? And sometimes you get the truth out of it. And if anything, set the stage and get them in process. Yeah. Along those same lines, I have hire managers, wicked smart hire managers. One, I'm not going to add them on this podcast, but it happened today, who continually reschedules interviews or is always too busy, but they're the first ones to complain that their job's not being filled quick enough. And it's, I think sometimes they lose sight of the uh, pace that a recruiting process is going and how critical it is when you have an interview scheduled on a Tuesday, show up and do the interview and then give us feedback quickly. Don't mm-hmm. reschedule because candidates are busy too. And mm-hmm. if it gets, if it slips from the Tuesday interview, it's going to slip to Thursday or Friday, potentially another week, and there goes another week of, of missed opportunities. So, yeah. Again, simple, but it just, I think it's stupid when people do that. It's pretty easy to show up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just a matter and it's not common sense to operate with integrity and with an availability and scheduling commitment to align with the commitment to either get hired or hire the right person or what you're pointing to. Yeah, really, really key. Appreciate that. Uh, Any other challenges top of mind? you can think of that the candidates should be better prepared for. I think candidates
0: should be should understand going back to the be real, be personal. That higher managers are people too. You don't know what stresses are going through if they're running late for an interview. It could be for good reason. They're there. You know, I think sometimes it's and, and it's an awkward situation when you're a candidate, right? You're mm-hmm. nervous, a little stressed out. Want to bring your A game. Hire manager sometimes is stressed out about something unrelated to your interview and will walk in, might be a little bit late, but really understand that uh they're going through a lot too, right? And cut them some slack and don't think sometimes I think sometimes candidates think that the higher manager's got this like uh secret um you know, skill that they're super talented or anything like that. And they can't, you, you know, they're, they're not as smart as the hire manager, let's say, or something, right? Because the hire manager makes, maybe they've got a bigger status or more powerful or whatever it might be. Mm. No, they're just like you. In fact, you might be smarter than the hire manager, right? And I think the good hire managers know that. Mm. Um, and so I would just say connect with them. And for candidates, realize your higher managers are probably pretty stressed too. So,
1: mm. Yeah. Yeah, good. One more business question, and then I want to walk the talk that you've suggested, ask some personal questions that I like to ask my guests. What do you recommend candidates do or not do in maintaining a relationship with you as a search professional? And uh, anything other recommendations in dealing with you as a recruiter? Uh, follow up, for example, how does, how does a candidate follow up? I think as a recruiter,
0: I think there there's just, you know, for some reason, I'm not sure where maybe just the unknown uh, mystery of what we do. But I think sometimes candidates think that we have like just endless jobs available for them and they'll come at me and they'll corner me or they'll corner someone on my team and say, Hey, I'm a marketing manager and I'm looking for, it could be any role. I just picked up marketing, but uh, marketing manager a and, I, and I want to land a job here. Well, I don't have anything for you. We're not working on any marketing roles. And there's nothing against that person. We're just not. And they think in their mind that they've connected with an opportunity, that they haven't done it. And I think the good ones, I think, connect to this personally again, right? It's like, hey, look, this is what I'm looking to do. You may not have anything. What I'm trying to get at is don't corner someone to make a decision. I think the better approach to, to approach a recruiter would be. Hey, I, I'm looking to advance my career as a marketing professional. Do you know anybody that can help me? This are the industry I want to work in. Cause there's a good chance I might uh, have something in my own uh, mm. network or own desk I'm working on, or I know someone that does. And that's a better way versus corner me. Here's my resume, make a decision, mm. hire me. Right. It, it just puts me on the defense real quick. And I think just approach yeah. me and say, this is what I'm looking to do. Can you help me? Cause I, 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 I want to help somebody. Right. But yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I find over and over again, the top driver for recruiters in this industry is to help people connect. But a lot of candidates think because recruiters can help them, that they're there to help them. And really, you're hired by the companies you connect with to fill roles. And uh, you're saying, if they're respectful of that relationship, you might create a networking relationship with a candidate and introduce them to someone, even if it's not going to be a business connection it's something you'll do if they approach you right that's nice really nice Uh, i'd like to ask uh, if you have any philanthropic causes you uh you support and and then i'll ask you about your taste in music those are my favorite closing questions yeah no
0: philanthropic causes i've done big stuff over the years wounded warriors um all the Susan G. Komen or B. Komen, I think, breast cancer. And the more, I guess, older, gray hair, wiser I get, not sure if I'm getting any wiser, but I'm definitely getting older. Um, I try to just focus it on my immediate community just because I know that I can see the impact. I know where the money's going. So I get involved a lot with um, my own kid's school uh, via donation of uh, money and time. I get involved, involved a lot with, uh, other kind of local, um, it could be, uh, most recently just something hit our friend network, depression and suicide, right? I know that it's something I can see and I can help and it's a purposeful cause, but I really try to tie it in my own community, uh, that I can see. And I know that I can be a part of it. if it's, even if it's the president of an organization, I can, I can literally talk to them and, you know, see what's up. Right. And so
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's the kind of stuff I get involved in um we recently uh got involved with a uh kind of a rare cancer that my actually my neighbor has right and mm-hmm. i don't want to share it beyond that for yep. you know other purposes but i mean we we definitely stayed at a race recently we donated to that i know that, wow. that was for her right so i mean that that was
1: that's stuff that I, I i try to do more just within my own circle so so that's a lot ben i i I thank you on behalf of the planet and the people you contributed to for your generosity of spirit and time and money. Uh, uh, without a lengthy description, because you're a big music fan, I, I noticed from our prior dialogue, you had to pick one artist, one band, one singer, composer, what, what would you say is your favorite music right now?
0: I don't think I could just pick one. That would be hard. I know. Um, looking by the look, you don't need to. I'm not going to ask your age. You need to ask mine. But you and I, I think, definitely grew up in the, you know, tape era and uh different era of technology. To this day and age, it's awesome. I'm a Spotify subscriber. I yeah. am all over the board on Spotify. Anything but country is maybe the genre I would do. I just have never been in the country. I know it's huge. I just don't know yeah. much about it. I guess you could say Johnny Cash. He's country. I like him, but. I, I I listen to music um, to, it, it, you know, it's I, I do it for all for, forms of life. I do it when I'm entertaining people, having people over. I think music is a big part of our life, so it could be heavy metal, rap, grunge. Um, huh. uh, this morning I had on uh, hip hop. It was anyway anything from N.W.A. to Kanye, to the Dre, Eminem. But that was just this morning. It could be something totally different the next morning. So yeah, ah, gotcha.
1: Right, Very good. Yeah. Last question I'll add, because I remember something you had uh, shared with me about a side hustle, a side business you have. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, it's, yes. So Sumato Coffee, we are a roast to order. So you write on the website, we do not roast your coffee beans. Um, it's e-commerce only, and it's a subscription-based where you can buy, nice. you know, one-offs. But it's mm. uh, freshly roasted coffee beans. You order on the website, we roast it within 48 hours and ship it to you anywhere in America. It is a side hustle. Uh, and it's fun, it's exciting. A lot of people ask me about it and because I think it's the main thing I do, but that is kind of more of a side hustle, but it's, that's it's nice. fun. It's good. It's nice. Yep. that's really great. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, Ben, thank you so much for your insights and your uh, very um comforting nature in walking the talk of just be real. You're a great guests, and we appreciate you very much. We'll put the Somata Coffee link as well as your main website in the show notes and We'll talk to you very soon. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you very much for listening to the Career Transition Experts. We hope you got something of value and would love to hear from you on what you did learn and how this episode made a difference. If you'd like to contact or reach our guests, take a look at the show notes. And you can also find there a link where we will send you a free copy of our resume preparation checklist. If there's anything we can do to help you fulfill your vision and make that transition smoothly, contact us. We are here for you. Thanks again for listening. Hope to see you again soon. Bye for now.